Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Raise your title for today. The title is Forgetting God's Miracles. Remember I gave you that little teaser hint in the email this week? Forgetting God's Miracles, Mark 8, 1 to 9. But I'm going to start off with a story. And it's interesting that I'm starting off with a story because um, I'm... Ron and Linda, this is their last Sunday here. We're going to have a little thing at the end to talk about them going away at the end of the service. But it's interesting because I've been holding on to this story for six months now, and it's wild that this landed, this passage landed on this day with their last Sunday here because I really want Ron to be here for this story. (laughs) You'll see why in a minute. Have you ever been really, really hungry? Like really hungry, just like famished. You know what I'm talking about? Like, not just um, my stomach's growling. I'm already thinking about lunch today, but like really hungry. The last time I was really hungry was when I was with Ron. And uh, he invited me to go to the Fossil Gem Show out, out in central Pennsylvania. And, and he loves the gems. I love the fossils. We have, always have a great time doing that. But we also like Middle Eastern food. And he knows that. We, we like to go out for Middle Eastern food for lunch. Love it, love it. So he said, I, I got a flyer in the mail for a new Middle Eastern place in Lebanon. And Lebanon, Pennsylvania is right next to the gem show. So we can go to the gem show and then we can go to the buffet, the Middle Eastern buffet. And that's like, ding, 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 that's big for me, right? And uh, a Middle Eastern buffet. So I love it. And so that, the night, the night before I was all excited. I was like, I'm not gonna eat a big dinner. I'm just gonna have a little dinner and I'm gonna save it. And I got up the next day, I'm not even gonna have breakfast. I'm gonna save all my room for the Middle Eastern buffet. I was so excited. And we got driving over there. and around maybe 11 o'clock, right before we get to the, the fossil show, Ron says, we stop at McDonald's, and he grabs a little snack. And I said, I don't want anything. I don't want anything. I'm saving all my room for lunch. I can't wait. I'm so excited, right? And so I didn't eat anything. And we, we get to the, the show. We had a great time looking at the gems and fossils. And he's an expert. It's unbelievable all, all he knows about that stuff. But we leave early in the afternoon, maybe we leave at 1 o'clock or 1.30, something like that, and, and we're right by Lebanon, and we're heading over to the restaurant, so excited, and I'm really getting hungry now, right? But not only have I not eaten in a while, but I'm also thinking about this Middle Eastern buffet, and we're really excited, and we get to Lebanon, and we can't find it. We're driving in circles, driving in circles. We cannot find the buffet. And Ron, if I get it this wrong, keep it to yourself. But anyway, uh, if, I, if I make him look worse then, you know, but, uh, but, but so we can't find it, right? We're driving around and he's got his phone GPS thing going and finally we pull over and he's, we cannot find the buffet and I'm really hungry now, and really hungry, like it's like two o'clock about, right? And I'm like starting, to, I'm actually starting to get the shakes because I haven't eaten almost 24 hours and I didn't have the snack at McDonald's and so I'm like, I'm like shaky hungry and he, and he, he goes, wait a minute, he picks up the coupon, he goes, uh-oh. This is Lebanon, New Jersey. <laughs> Wrong state. <laughs> so, so we don't have a place to go. You go, so, so you go. Let's just start driving home. Let's start driving home and look for the first restaurant we get. But the problem is out there, there's like nothing, you know. We're out in nowhere land. We're driving, looking for a restaurant, looking for a restaurant. We're driving, nothing here, nothing there. We're looking for a sign. We don't want to get off the, the road. I, camera what were we on 80 or something some road we don't want to get off whatever highway we're on because you know what's there right and 
Finally, we, we, he sees this place where there's restaurants. We pull off, and we, he says, here's our, an Italian place. I go, I don't care what language they speak. I just want to eat. You know? And we pull in, and it was so funny. He was hungry. We, we were so hungry. We go in, and, and, and we, we just got a following around, right? Kind of like just barges and sits down, and the lady comes up. Can I get you something? Bring us food. Bring us food. And, and he like ordered like th- a couple appetizers. Hey, bring them quick. Bring them quick. We're hungry. She probably thought we were like, like they just look homeless. You know, what is going on here, right? We were so hungry. We ordered a, a lot of food, eating it, loved it. it. Was it good? I don't know. Cardboard would have tasted good at this point. We were hungry. Uh, that was about as hungry as I've been in a long time. And we had a great time, great, uh, great memories. And I said, Ron, when I get to Mark chapter 8, I'm going to tell this story. And what are the odds it would be the day that they're leaving? Uh, they're moving today. So. so anyway, that's my famished story. We have another story here in the Bible where some people are a very big group, are very, very hungry. And let's see how Jesus meets their needs, how he handles their problem of hunger. Let me pray first. Father, we thank you for the worship today and our, our youth band and just really appreciate them leading us in worship. We thank you for bringing us all here today for your word and for spiritual encouragement and nourishment. The encouragement and nourishment that we need, we just pray for your mercy and grace now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm going to read the passage, Mark 8, 1 to 21, but we're only going to focus on the first nine verses today. You're going to have to keep coming back to get the whole load here. But let's read the whole 21 verses because to put it in context. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, But where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 men were present. And having sent them away, he got into the boat. Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To, To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, Why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, no sign will be given to it. Then he left and went back to the boat and crossed the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. (laughs) We're going to have fun with this, aren't we? Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? Okay. Let's just read the first four. We're going to do the first nine verses, but let me read the first four and discuss these first. During the 12 days, another large crowd gathered. 
since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to them and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? Where? That's the word I want to focus on. Where can we get enough bread to feed them? This is probably one of the most shocking statements in the entire Bible, isn't it? One of the most shocking statements. I mean, you read this and you say, Jesus must have picked 12 complete dodos. I mean, this is really stupid. Could anybody be this stupid? I mean, think about it. We already saw back in Mark chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000. And remember the lessons we learned from that? He, we talked about that God puts us in tough spots to teach us to depend on him, to bring us to him and depend on him, to turn to him. And he also then teaches us he can meet all of our needs. And he proves it by feeding, proves it by feeding them the bread and the fish, breaks it up, feeds all these thousands of people. And here they are just a short time later. And they already forgot. Can you believe these guys? I mean, talk about dodos. It's worse than dodos. It's idiots. Crazy, isn't it? But what is this a picture of? Imagine this is a mirror. What do you see? It's us. This is, this is, hold the Bible up and look into it. That's us. That's you and me. This is a picture of us. When we're in a crisis and we're struggling or we're suffering or we're tempted, sometimes, usually, we forget all that God has done for us in the past, don't we? And we panic again. We hit the panic button. Every time. Not every time, but often. As we grow spiritually, we do it better and better. But it's, it's a lot more than it should happen, isn't it? We're going through these struggles, whatever it is. Crisis, struggle, suffering, temptation. And we often forget all that God has done. We, we hit the panic button. I remember, it reminds me of when we had babies. And we had them for a long time. Uh, 20 years straight we had babies. And... They would, we'd feed the baby, but then they'd get hungry again, right? And so, most of you remember this. And when they get hungry, what do they do? Wah! You know? And, and it'd, be, it'd be the middle of the night, and we're, we're sitting there sleeping contentedly, and, and there'd be just a little hiccup, like, Wah! right? Boom! Right to the cry button, you know, the hysterical button. Now, and then Kim would jump right up and grab the baby and feed him, feed the baby. And, and I'd say, you think, you think we just let them cry all night, the way they react every time they're hungry? Now, if it was me, it would have been, because I didn't hear them, you know? Kim would say, oh, my goodness, how many times did that baby cry last night? Did they? You know, because I have a spiritual gift. We all have spiritual gifts. Mine is sleeping through babies crying. I, ne I never heard them. I could sleep. But, but Kim, the slightest little whimper, whisper, boom, up, you know, she's up. What was that? Wow, 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 yeah. But, so they didn't need to do that. But every time, wah, screaming and crying. And, and I'm like, they're hysterical. You'd think we never fed them before. Or you'd think we abused them by not feeding them, let them cry for an hour the way the babies cry, right? But we're just like that, aren't we, as Christians? We're, we're so often we're just like that little baby, hysterical crying. And God's like, don't I always take care of you? What's the deal? Why are you freaking out on me? They say this, we're God. Where, you know, where are we going to get this, Jesus? And now, I want to say this, though. It's not as dumb 
this is not as dumb as they've been in the past. They're actually making progress here. Because at least they didn't say, send them away. Right? That's what they said the last time. Oh, here's all these people. Get rid of them. They didn't do it this time. They're starting the compassion of Jesus is starting to rub off on them. Even just a little bit ago, they said, send the woman away, the demon-possessed daughter. You know, send her away. You know, they, they're making progress. The compassion of Jesus starting to rub off on them, but they still failed the test. Yeah, it's a shame, but where we, wish we could help them, but where, what can I do? What can we do? You know, so they still failed the test. Where? Where? They forgot to turn to Jesus. They forgot the who. They're focused on the where, and they forgot the who. Let's look at verses 5 to 9, where he says, How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples and set them before the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 men were present. And let me just say this about the 4,000 men. Uh, Last time, 5,000 men, which means they estimate probably 15,000 people. Uh, This time, 4,000 men, they estimate probably 12,000 people. They just counted the men. But uh, there's probably women and children there too. So they kind of get the picture. But seven loaves this time, seven loaves, and they pick up seven basketfuls. With the first feeding, how many did they pick up? Twelve. Twelve baskets. Each of the twelve apostles got their own basket. Twelve apostles, twelve tribes, okay? The twelve tribes. It's a, it's, this, remember, he did that miracle for the Jewish people. And he was showing the Jewish people something, the 12 apostles, the 12 tribes. The, the, the Jewish nation was being showed that Jesus is the bread from heaven. He's the manna. He's the, he's the fulfillment of the manna that he got in the wilderness. He's the fulfillment of that. He's their Messiah. That's for the Jewish people. But this miracle is for mostly the Gentiles. Now we are in the Gentile area. And who did Mark write to? Gentiles. The book of Mark is written to Gentiles to reach the Gentiles. And he's making a point here that Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven, is for and is enough for everyone, even the Gentiles. Not just for the 12 Jewish nations, but for the Gentiles too. Seven is a heavenly number. If you read the Bible, you see it symbolically. It's a heavenly number. It's also a number for completeness completeness and he's the holy spirit is making a point here through mark he's saying jesus is completely sufficient for everyone jews and gentiles and and there's some very interesting points as he's making this point here he's using a different bag this time for the first miracle they use these these wicker bags these inflexible small wicker bags uh, baskets that wicker baskets that were inflexible and small and each of the apostles had one of these this time the word for basket is really in in the greek is bag it's bag and the word the, the bag that it's describing is a stretchy bag it's a bag that you can just keep stuffing. You fill it up and you just keep stuffing it and stuffing it. You know the kind of bags I'm talking about that we have today? You just keep stuffing it. It just keeps taking more and more and bulges and bulges. Think of Santa's bag, right? You know, it keeps bulging and bulging and there's always something in it. You know, seven Santa, Santa bags there, right? And that's the picture here. The Holy Spirit's making a point that there's room for everyone. There's no accidents in the Bible that it's a different bag. 
It's a, it's a stretchy bag. It's a different basket. It, it, everyone who comes to Jesus Christ and puts their faith in him, there is room for everyone. Everybody. Jews and Gentiles. Every one of us. If the earth lasts another thousand years, there's room for billions of more people that, come, that want to come to Jesus Christ, that come to him for his teaching. They spent three days. They weren't focused on food. They were focused on the, the right things. They were focused on Jesus' teaching. He didn't feed them until after the three days. They were hungry for him. And he satisfied them. But there, he's making a point that there's room for the Gentiles. The Gentiles, remember the Gentile woman, we're leading up to this in, 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 in Mark chapter 7. She looked for crumbs, the breadcrumbs, remember that. She put her faith in him. And then the deaf mute who realized he was the Messiah. It's all setting this up. In fact, if we look at the, the parallel passage in Matthew 15, 29, look what happens in Matthew 15, 29. It's all been set up here where he says... Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came up to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the cripple, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. And the people were amazed when they saw the mute speak, and the cripple made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. And then it goes on to describe the feeding of the 4,000, the passage, the rest of the passage. They praised the God of Israel. These Gentiles recognized something that the Pharisees, the, the Jewish Pharisees missed. Because they were blind. Their ears were closed. They recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. And they turned to the one true God. The God of Israel. There's only one true God. You can't find him in Buddhism. You can't find him in Islam. You can't find him in Hindu religion. You can't find him anywhere except the God of Israel and his son Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah. And that's the point that Mark is making to the Gentiles here. But let's go back to our miracle here, to our what really will hit us, I think, today. There's 4,000 men here this time. And God had already, Jesus had already through his father, supplied for 5,000. So it was actually less of a crowd. But they'd forgotten, hadn't they? The, the apostles had forgotten, and it's just like us. God delivers us from a big crisis, and yet we panic over a smaller one. God supplies our need over a certain need, a, a bigger one, and then when we have a smaller one, we still hit the panic button. And, and it just we forget, just like the apostles forgot God's mercy and grace and provision, we do the same thing, don't we? Have you ever done that? You all do. I get the phone calls. <laughs> I get them. And I'm like, I'm thinking what you're telling me something. I'm like, don't you remember a year ago what you were through the same thing and God did? Don't you I'm thinking, what? These people are idiots, you know? Don't they remember? I don't, I don't, I don't know. These people are dodos. I'll use that word. These, what's wrong with these people? And then, then the Holy Spirit will remind me. Yeah, and you do the same thing all the time. You do the same thing. I'm like, you're right, you're right, okay, I'll be patient, you know. And because I'm just as bad. We're all just like that. I just dump on Kim. I can't call myself. I, I dump on Kim, bored Kim, right? And uh, no wonder she's exhausted all the time. So anyway, we focus, the problem is we focus on the where instead of the who. Right? We focus on where and, and, and we 
just have to realize it's the who. It's not the where, it's the who. The who is Jesus. And that's the key to life. That's the key to our struggles. That's the key to our trials. That's the key to moving forward to mat maturity and not, Wah! but, you know, we get older and we say, uh, Mom and Dad, can I have a snack? You know, we ask them for it. We don't freak out as we get older. And we get even older, we help ourselves. We know it's already there for us, right? Right? And we, we mature. And that's the key to maturing is realizing we, we don't know the where every time, where it's going to come from. We don't know the whys. Why did this happen in my life? Why? Right? So many times we think, why did this happen? Why did this person die? Why did this person get sick? Why did this trial happen in my life? Why did my kid jump off the, you know, the cliff and become a prodigal? Why? We focus on the why. And we don't always know the whys. We don't always know the hows. How is this going to be solved? We don't know the hows, the wheres, the whys, the hows. We don't know. But we do know the who. We know who to turn to. Jesus. I can't, I say that to be all the time. I, I can't explain all these hard things that are going on in your life. But I know the who. We know who we're depending on. We know who to turn to. It's Jesus. It's the who. And yes, we get stressed out when we go into a crisis. It's only natural we get stressed. It's natural to feel fear, right? But where we turn should never be the issue. It should always be the who, to Jesus. And you might have a deep unmet needs. We all do, don't we? We all have struggles with unmet needs. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's finances, maybe it's loneliness, maybe it's sickness, maybe it's a marriage struggle or a kid's struggle or you fill in the blank. There's a lot of things out there. What are we doing this morning? Have we been panicking? Again? Ah! Right? Are we trying to meet our needs in our own flesh. Big temptation, isn't it? When our needs aren't met, what we think are our needs at least, and it's not met the way we want it to be met, we try to meet it in the flesh, right? That's what we do, and we often turn to sin. That's what sin is, meeting our needs in a way that God doesn't want us to meet them. Trying to meet our needs our way instead of meeting our needs, true needs, God's way. That's sin, that's what sin is. God has a way to meet our needs in a healthy, positive, purposeful way. But when we don't trust him to meet the needs, we try to meet it ourselves, that's sin. That's really what sin is. That's the first sin. And the last sin. And usually we think of addictions when we're trying to meet our needs. The drugs and alcohol or sexual sin or food or unhealthy relationships or the TV or the computer or work. or You can add to that list. What do we turn to to meet the need? And it's a real need. But we turn to the wrong source. We need to turn to Jesus daily. Are you turning to him daily for that unmet need? Right? Are we turning to him daily for that? Constantly. Daily. Hourly. Minute. Second. Every second. We're constantly turning to him to meet that need. Are we doing that? And as Christians, what miracles have we forgotten in our life? Maybe you're going through a big struggle right now. What miracle have we forgotten? Way, a way that God has worked in the past. Ways that God has worked in the past. And we're starting to feel that panic or fear. Or we're resorting to the unhealthy anger and, and, and frustration and bitterness. And, and all the things that we used to turn to that we, we, we forget so easy. When all the whole time the answer is right in front of us. 
It's the who. It's the words of Jesus Christ. His word tells us. And not only that, he's inside of us. The spirit of Jesus Christ is inside of us. He sends his Holy Spirit to live in us, to speak to us. So we have the answer in his word and the spirit in our heart and the two of them working together to, to help us to grow mature spiritually and to get our needs met in a healthy, positive way. A way that can be blessed. We have it right there. If we put our faith in Jesus Christ. If you've put your faith in Christ, if you've turned to Jesus and said, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. And I put my faith in him. I give my life to him. When the, the moment you do that, the Holy Spirit comes in and the word of God comes alive. And you have a relationship with God as your father. He will meet all of our needs. Guaranteed. The moment you do that. Have you done that? Maybe you're saying you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your life to him. And maybe he's using a crisis to bring you to him. Often it takes some breaking, right? Our flesh fights so hard and God will send something into our life to break us. To break that stubborn spirit. To break the flesh. To break the will that says I can do it without God. He'll break us and he'll drive us to our knees and drive us to the cross where we can find God's mercy and grace and forgiveness and a brand new life in Jesus Christ. And maybe that's the reason God is putting you through what he's putting you through. So that you can turn to him anytime so you don't have to fear anything, even death. We don't even have to fear death once we have put our faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us through the word of Christ? Maybe you're here today and you're going through a struggle. Well, we all are, aren't we? If we're breathing, we're struggling. How are we going to respond to this struggle, this temptation, this fear, this trial, this suffering? How are we going to respond? Are we going to freak out? Are we going to have fear? Are we going to cry hysterically like a little baby? Are we going to turn to Jesus and trust him and grow through this trial so that each time we face this trial, we're going to face it differently. We're going to do better and better each time until we reach a point of maturity in our faith where we just, when we hit the trials, we just turn right to Jesus. Say, Jesus, what are you trying to accomplish in my life in this struggle? What is your purpose? Please give me your mercy and grace as I face it. Help me to stay close to you and grow in you. And let my life be a witness to others as they see me go through this, depending on you. What miracle have we forgotten? What miracles have we forgotten as we struggle? Ways that God has brought us through in the past. Starting with our salvation. Remembering what he's done. To encourage us in our present struggle. 
maybe here today and you're not a Christian yet. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. And you're here because of that struggle, because God has brought you to a place of needing him, showing your need. We all need him, but realizing that need for this earth and for eternity, realizing that need. Are you ready to surrender your life to Jesus today? To give your life to him today? To receive forgiveness and, and have God as your father right now? The Holy Spirit living inside of you right now? You can have that right where you're sitting. You just have to pray. You just have to turn to Jesus. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I don't want to sin anymore. I repent of that. I need your forgiveness. I need you to wash it away. I believe, Jesus, you died on the cross to pay for that sin to break the power of that sin in my life so that I could live a new life. And I give you my life. Make me the person you created me to be. If you pray that prayer, the Holy Spirit has come into you. He's there. You're in for the shock of your life. You will never be the same again. But I want to encourage you to let somebody know you've made that decision because you're a little baby now. You're a spiritual baby and you're going to need help growing and some help eating and some help cleaning up some messes. It's part of being a new Christian. It's, it's, every one of us goes through it. Let someone know. If you came with a friend or family member, tell me, fill out the card, text me, call me, email me. Let me know. So we can be excited for you and, and help you grow. Encourage you. Father, we're all dodos. And some days I can't believe you put up with me. But we thank you for your mercy and grace. And I pray that as we go through Mark 8, each one of us, we would take steps forward. Just like the apostles did, we would take steps forward in our faith. Baby steps forward. Pray that in Jesus' name.